Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi. Joining me to take your questions this evening are Jonathan Fisher from PSG Wealth Santa and Grayston and Rowan Williams from Nitrogen Fund Managers. And if you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Jonathan, Rowan, good uh, evening to you both. Nice to see you there. Uh, Rowan, if I may start with you tonight, it was quite a discordant day on the JSE in a way. Uh, you had some very strong performances from some uh, key industrial companies like Bidfest, and we'll get onto the results in a moment. Um, uh, and then you had a really weak day from a lot of the resources stocks. Um, perhaps we can start with why the resources share sold off uh, so, so much. Um, and, and they really have not had a good um, year to date. Um, and they really so they actually had a very strong initial start to the year. I think as there was uh, the, obviously the, the China uh, reopening um, end of the zero COVID policy, and there was a lot of optimism. And I think uh, that overshot somewhat. And as we've seen global growth expectations moderate, um, and then also higher rates expected and then most recently this morning, uh, the Chinese uh, government coming out with a 5% growth target, which from the, the resource sector perspective was disappointing. And uh, that's why we saw a continued sell-off. So I think it has been very much a sort of a China story. So the initial optimism is very much tempered by what is clearly a, a slowing growth rate. And, and uh, remember that uh, a lot of the marginal consumption for resources comes out of China. And uh, so that's at a very important market. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so quite significant moderation there. And uh, we've seen the shares come off uh, significantly from what looked like a promising start to the year. So yeah, um, quite disappointing mm -hmm. overall in that sector. I mean, I suppose there's a, 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 another question there on whether or not the market is totally greedy. A 5% growth target <laughs> in the world's second largest economy seems pretty uh, good growth target, um, but I guess it's not for us to, to say whether or not the commodity traders are greedy. But uh, Jonathan, the weird thing is that you have the commodity stock selling off on this Chinese growth target. And I assume that the reason why Richemont rallied is also on the back of a Chinese growth target. So I don't really, I, I can't really square off this calculation in my head. Um, I, because Richemont has also benefited from the China growth story as commodity shares have, have weakened, which is really, I, I, I'm sort of battling to hold those two thoughts simultaneously. Well, look, Richemont, uh, it's a luxury goods manufacturer and uh, retailer. So the results actually that came out recently were excellent. And that's been, in my mind, the reason for such a strong share price in Richemont. Um, I guess one needs to look forward and say, well, can they continue on that growth trajectory? Um, and largely, like you say, is based on the demand coming from Asia and China, um, and not specifically people in China, but Chinese moving around the world and traveling. Mm, I think, okay. um, you know, uh, uh, and, and with um, the COVID restrictions having been lifted and air travel uh, for Chinese having been lifted largely, I think that is a positive for the likes of Richmond. Um, you know, they've got stores all over the world in big metropolitan cities and big met big airports around the world. And um, I guess, you know, the Chinese, they take their, their wongs or their US dollars or whatever hard currency they're using to buy uh, watches and pens and uh, Richmond luxury goods. Mm. So it's different. I mean, you know, resources... 
I think as Rowan rightly said, you know, um, China is a big barometer for um, resource companies and the growth of that economy is very important because it's such a big um, hungry economy, hungry for resources, uh, get yeah. manufactured yeah. into finished products. Yeah, not hungry enough, as it turns out. Can I just ask you what your thoughts would be with regards to Richemont? Um, what would you do now? And I have said this before, I kick myself for not buying any shares when they came off 13% in one day. Uh, the market was spooked by Johan Rupert's, you know, typically bearish or, or not even bearish, just circumspect comments. Um, uh, and, and from that point, I mean, you have, I think, probably more than doubled your money. I think the shares went down to about 140 rand or thereabouts. Um, Rowan, would you maybe cash in a little bit at this point? Do you think yeah, so we are seeing uh, significant momentum in the stock. And I think uh, just what we were talking about earlier, there is some rotation out of the resource stocks into some of these industrial counters. So I think there have been investors setting resources and moving their money into Richmond. So I think Grand Hedge uh, is um, an area where our local investors are also focusing. I think there's quite a lot of political uncertainty at the moment. So you're picking up some Rand depreciation as well in the, in the share price. Um, yeah, I think it's all worth holding. And uh, as I say, it's a quality company denominated in Swiss francs. Mm. So uh, you're very much insulated from yeah, the, the current situation in South Africa. So that, that is something to, to look at. And I guess where you're going to put the money if you, if you um, sell Richmond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There are very few similar kinds of companies on the JSE if that's your, your investment universe. So I think while it looks good, you're probably going to hold it maybe a little bit longer. It's probably got some legs still. Good company, or are they in fact all at fairly expensive levels? Well, I mean, Richmond's trading at a multiple of, I think, 40-odd, 44, I think it is, uh, is expensive. Um, look, it never hurts to take a bit of chips off the table. It all depends on, you know... The circumstances, how big is Richmond relative to the other holdings in your portfolio? Is it way overweighted or not? If so, maybe it's a good idea. Take into account your capital gains tax implication as well. Okay. Switching it into other luxury goods, well, I think Ron alluded to it. There's, there aren't really any other on the JSC, so one would then have to look abroad and is into hard currency and then buy which in an offshore market. You've got Louis Vuitton, you've got Hermes, you've got Tiffany, just to name a few. Um, not all of them are cheap. In fact, they are quite pricey. Mm. Um, but those are your alternatives um, if you want to remain in luxury goods. Yeah. And then, of course, you have to uh, ride the horrible rand um, if you're going to externalize your rands at this point, which is, um, uh, I suppose, not ideal. Um, the question's a little bit slow tonight. So uh, I can perhaps ask you about Bidvest. Rowan, that was an astounding share price performance today, up 15% on you know, a big top 40 industrial company on the JSE. Was it Warren? I mean, how did the market get it so wrong? Why did the market really not anticipate these results? Because Bidvest has been in a very strong position for a good two years, actually. Uh, you know, during the COVID, they really they knuckled down, they held their own, and they've been posting very good numbers um, s subsequent. And so I'm surprised that, you know, th there was such excitement as, as good as the numbers were today. Yeah. 
Yeah, so 15% share price increase does indicate that uh, the expectations were significantly lower than uh, what the company actually delivered. So not, I guess, large enough to uh, warrant a trading update. So maybe the expected you know, range was fairly wide leading up into this. Actually, look, there were some quite significant foreign dealings on Friday, a big uh, foreign seller. So they would have depressed the price, I guess, coming into results. And Bitvest is such a bellwether stock, it covers quite a broad swathe of the South African economy. And I guess if you are somewhat downbeat on the South African economy, maybe you were downbeat on the prospects for Bitvest. But it turns out that across their divisions, they did uh, very well. And uh, some particularly well, Freight, for example, a standout performer. Um, so notwithstanding like what you saw is uh, Port uh, issues and uh, rail issues. They managed to move the volume, saw significant volumes through moving through their terminals and uh, made yeah, sort of record profit profits there. Auto division did well. The services division, division did well. Adcock did well. Uh, the bank saw a turnaround. The financial services saw a turnaround in earnings. And the other thing maybe that got the market excited is they are proving to be a significant beneficiary of this move to renewables. They uh, said they moved sort of strategically positioned in that space uh, sort of um, two years ago, and they're seeing their business from a year ago um, increase fivefold. So that is that is quite exciting, and they're gearing up for that, and they, they say they don't see that slowing down. So I think just across the board, it looked uh, very positive. Uh, some of the offshore services businesses, a bit mixed. It did sound like they did have quite a few tailwinds in this half. And what they've done is also cut costs significantly um, and seeing volume increases. So yeah. they said H2 may not be as good, but I think a bit of a melt-up um, and maybe over the next few days it will moderate the excitement somewhat. Jonathan, what would you do if you had ignored Bidvest or sort of just not, if you had assumed, as Rowan says, along with many people, that the prospects for the South African economy were just so bad that you didn't want to buy a, an SA Inc. stock such as Bidvest, which you know is exposed across all sectors, and you're looking at this performance thinking, oh my gosh, I've missed this one, that was really foolish of me, I should maybe buy shares, what would you do now? Well, there's probably a bit more value left in it. Um, now, whether it's going to pull back a little bit after today's run, I don't know. But I think I'd rather just sit back and wait for a, a bit of sanity to prevail. I mean, 15% is great for such a big share, for such a big market cap share, um, and for shareholders. Um, but I still think it's a great business, a great company, and it's probably one to continue owning in the portfolio. It's just a matter of your entry, your entry level. You know, they, they've done so well in this. What came out strongly is the fact that management have got a very, very strong focus on maintaining margins in this tough environment. So, you know, to do that when input costs are going up, electricity prices are going up, um, diesel for all these big uh, SA in companies is a big mm. cost factor. You know, to maintain strong margins in this environment, that's very commendable. Yeah. Um, we've just had a, a chart on screen now going back about 20 years and it shows the, the, you know, the, the precipitous drop which, which was a result of Bidvest and Bidcorp splitting. So that was the unbundling of Bidvest and Bidcorp um, in, in 20... Uh, actually a post... I mean, is it quite possible that's, that, that Bid spin-off of Bidcorp? I mean, that's um, 
not, I suppose, an, un, um, uh, an unfounded assumption that, that this is, is a share that is not necessarily in a one-way line. Rowan, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, look, I think uh, it's um, there have been very sideways traded water. And I guess if you add Bitcorp and uh, Bitvest together, the share prices, that's a, probably a more realistic uh, assessment versus what Bitvest uh, was uh, when it was a single entity was trading at. Um, Bitcorp has also done exceptionally well. So that's probably your, your, your yardstick to, to measure uh, performance and growth from that perspective, but it certainly does look like Bitvest could get to 300 Rand again, which is uh, sort of the numbers it traded at uh, before the split. So yeah. it is, it's a great to see such a strong performance from a South African stock. Yeah. Um, questions now on Capco, Naspas, and Exaro. Jonathan, Capco has been having a really, really good year. Um, it's uh, merging with Shaftesbury, it was up another seven odd percent today. Um, <laughs> what do you make of it? Or is this just maybe retracing its former glory, essentially? No, I think so. I think so. Um, you know, their big asset up until this uh, tie-up with Shaftesbury has been this um, Covent Garden asset um, in the middle of London, which is a great asset. Um, they took pain, I think, on their Ills Court development. But I think this is the right move for Capco. I think um, this announcement now makes they're going to be changing the name to Shaftesbury. Um, so I'm quite positive on it. Bearing in mind, just generally, I think that that market um, is a difficult market currently with what's going on in that economy. Um, nevertheless, let's hope that they can get back to their former glory. Um, you know, they, they took a huge knock when Brexit came, mm. um, as did most UK-based property companies. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Mm. It's not, it's, it's not one that we actively investing in or okay. looking at to invest in, but you know it's one that South Africans have always kind of looked at, watched, and I guess have had some exposure for, for historical reasons. Yeah, I mean, Rowan. To be fair, looking at the chart now, we're only back at the glory days of last year, sort of August. <laughs> so, so um, if we can bring up a longer chart, it will show, I guess, the incredible value destruction post-Brexit, so yeah, since 2016, it, this uh, company, uh, along with a few other listed uh, UK SA REITs, has been in the trenches. Um, would you buy it at this point? Yeah, I guess you'd have to have a quite, quite a close look at it because, as you say, there's sort of a, the rebound element getting back to its former glory, and that's tempered by uh, the current economic conditions in the UK, which are very tough, tough for the consumer. Uh, as well, but there's also the sort of COVID unwind where people are returning to shops and uh, physical presence uh, and also a lot of hospitality, uh, outdoor uh, eating, etc. So it would require a little bit of assessment. I'd say it's probably a better investment proposition as a bit more diversified, you know, to have the bulk of your assets in a single income producing area, Covent Garden, just sort of amplifies the risk and uh, being more diversified uh, would be more beneficial. So the rating could improve from here, I guess, if there's synergies, um, even if it's head office synergies and rationalization, it probably could move forward from here and uh, an injection of sort of fresh energy as well. So mm. probably worth a, worth a close look. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, 2016 was the high point just before the Brexit votes. 
over 100 rand a share. So, you know, this has been a long, hard slog for the Capco faithful uh, being at 28 rand 63. So that does rather put this year's gains into perspective. Um, your thoughts on Nuspass and Exaro, Jonathan? Uh, Nuspass is, I guess, what's been propping up the JSE Industrial Index this year to, to a, well, with a couple of other shares like Richmond and, and Bidvest and Bidcorp. Um, do you think it has much further to go? Um, simple answer, probably not. I think we've had quite a nice run. In fact, we have had quite a nice run after two years of dismal performance. Um, so I think it's quite fairly priced at these levels. Um, you know, it, it largely depends on what goes on in China and how Tencent, um, um, uh, you know, how, how Tencent yep. performs and how the Chinese market, you know, how involved or not involved and does that Chinese government get in that sector? So, yeah, it's, it's quite a difficult one. Um, I think at these price, prices, it's quite fairly priced. It's, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't think I'd be buying in a hurry. Don't, uh, Rowan, your, your thoughts, I mean, uh, th that does suggest as if uh, any other venture for Nuspass, other than its investment in Tencent, everyone's just ignoring. <laughs> if you say that much depends on what Tencent does, no one seems to expect the other assets that management is desperately trying um, to um, to bring to the fore are, are kind of worth anything to the market. Or am I being unfair? Yeah, I think Nuspass and process of moving into a new phase of value realization. I and mean, I think it started with the share buybacks and the ongoing uh, yeah, uh, program of, of buybacks, which could last up to three years, where they are actually selling uh, ten, the 10-cent stake, selling it down and buying back Nuspers shares and process shares, which means they're actually increasing the concentration on those other assets and looking to reduce the concentration on 10 cent, uh, even though it makes economic sense. Uh, so I think they are becoming more important through this buyback mechanism. And okay. uh, there was an announcement last week around uh, looking to reduce uh, costs and uh, cut the, the RLX auto business, which is severely loss-making, and then focus on the profitable classified. So I think they very much are looking to focus on those assets and demonstrate the value that they have, the latent value. So. I think on a three to five year uh, basis, there's still a fair amount of value to be unlocked out of Nuspers. It's a discount PNAV. So as long as they continue with the buybacks and they can turn those uh, other businesses around and, and, and demonstrate value, we should see share price appreciation. What do you make of the managers selling shares into this buyback environment? Sort of sticks yeah, in look, your... Uh, Throw it a bit. They, uh, they're entitled to. So uh, I think they need to portfolio rebalance. Um, there has been a significant increase, as uh, Johnny said. I mean, so, yeah, taking some money off the table, diversifying it, putting it into other assets. I mean, you still have a huge bulk of the value in China and Tencent, and you have seen a significant volatility there. So I think it's a rational investment decision. It doesn't mean they're not committed to the business. Mm, okay. Uh, and then very quickly, Xaro, Jonathan, is this... Uh, in the, especially in the light of a, a tricky time for resources stocks, what are your thoughts on Exaro? It's, listen, it's a good resource company. You know, it's, it's got exposure to predominantly coal, and um, yeah, it's predominantly coal. Um, 
and I think the last set of numbers, which were, um, you know, because coal prices were so high, how that's going to pan out going forward. Yeah, difficult one. I think the sense that I'm getting from some of these farms that they that they've been having the last 18 months, I can't say are over, but not as buoyant um, as what we have seen. Mm. And maybe that's one of the reasons why we've seen a pullback in these resources and, and, and to Exara. Um, but fundamentally, I mean, if one just looks at the metrics, they look very cheap. Um, they just got to keep up that earnings growth, which I guess boils down to what the gold price is going to do. Yeah, the big, the big question. Uh, perhaps I could move on to, to 91. A viewer asked um, a question about whether uh, market caps 29 billion rand. I think they can, says the viewer. Um, he said, it looks like Hendrik de Toy is a move changer. I'm not entirely sure what he means there. Um, Rowan, do you think 91's steadily marching into the top 40? Yeah, it's, it's got a little way to go. So um, I think it's, you know, it's a potential contender, but it really needs to grow earnings. And I guess it is also around hedge stock. It's uh, sort of uh, has pound-based uh, earnings. So it also depends on the trajectory of, 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 of the currencies. So, yeah, it could, could take a while. There's also relative movements elsewhere to determine, you know, whether it would qualify. Bear in mind, to get into the top 40 for inclusion, it has to actually get to a point, uh, 35 for automatic inclusion or above 35. So it doesn't, it gets to the 40th largest stock. It's not automatically going to go in. So okay. I think it's still got, got some way to go before it, it is a contender. Jonathan, do you think 91 has a, a, a better year for attracting in, investor capital uh, this year simply because of Coronation's issues with the tax man and the fact that Coronation's not going to be paying a dividend. So people maybe who bought Coronation and based on the dividend would have thought, ah, take money out um, and stick it into 91 because, you know, it's a, a, it's a fairly similarly dividend-rich paying company. Would that be perhaps an incorrect assumption? <laughs> I didn't quite get that. So I mean, Coronation's been a high dividend paying company. Yeah, yeah. So, so what I'm saying is the people who would have bought Coronation shares um, on the basis of the fact that it's got this uh, uh, you know, tax bill uh, and has, has iced the interim dividend, would those retail investors maybe goose up 91 shares because they would be buying 91 in favor of Coronation, which would you know, uh, fatten the market cap of 91 or... Yeah, so I mean, look, they both, Coronation and 91 are both high yielding um, type shares. So I think Coronation's on a historical yield one is um, about a 6% yield or 7% yield, if I'm not mistaken. So it's slightly a bit lower. Having has got more offshore AUM, that was disclosed in British pounds, um, whereas Coronation disclosed theirs in South African rands. So I think there's more SA Inc. exposure generally um, in the ninth, sorry, in the coronation stable of um, funds versus 91. Okay, yeah. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, you know, I, th I think 91's AUM actually decreased year on year um, in British pounds, so which isn't a good thing. You know, no. in this game, you want to see AUM increasing, and I think. 
In the previous year, in the previous quarter, <laughs> December 21, it was 141 billion pounds, and I think they came in at 132 yeah, billion. Going the wrong way. Uh, okay. So maybe a bit of a so bum question on my part, um, also because I've eaten into your <laughs> stock pick time. So I haven't left you too much time, either of you. I'm very sorry. Rowan, what would you be buying this evening? <clears throat> We are actually going with a resource counter, South 32. So it's not uh, one of the ones you mainstream ones you hear, but uh, they've got more industrial assets that are going to benefit from the greening of economies and so have uh, less volatile. I mean, and the earnings should uh, still come through very well run. So we like it for its sort of long term. Uh, prospects rant edge as well. Yeah, and it's completely bucked the trend for um, resources stocks this year, done very yeah. well so far. Um, so for one of our top holdings um, at PSG, at his first rand, they came out with excellent numbers last week and um, the profits are up 15% for the half year. Management have said that they do expect that they've just produced. Um, you know, just across the board, um, all divisions really did well, except um, RMB and the UK division, but everything else did extremely well. So <clears throat> we think that there's an intrinsic value of around 75 Rand, so a bit more upside, okay. but fundamentally, you know, want to just buy, hold, um, enjoy the dividend that comes through. It's on a 5% yield. Yeah. Um, and you're going to see the other banking shares also come out with very excellent numbers in the next two weeks. Yeah. But that's that's but my pick, pick tonight, first round. Okay. I'm sorry I ate into your stock pick uh, time um, with, <laughs> with my daft questions. Um, Jonathan Rowan, nice to chat to you both this evening. Thank you very much. Jonathan Fisher is from PSG Wells, Santon Grayson. Rowan Williams is from Nitrogen Fund Managers. And Zanati's back with Stockwatch tomorrow night. Have a good evening. <laughs>